Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. Cool. Well, let's uh, just jump into what we're talking about today. We are beginning a brand new series called Being Rich. And uh, let, me, let me tell you that when I was a kid, I mean, I really wanted to be rich. Anybody else out there when you were a kid, you wanted to be rich? Yeah, how many, how many kids are still in here and would like to be rich, right? Yeah, there's just a couple. Yep, both of them. Boom, got me. I really wish that I was like Richie Rich. Does anybody know who Richie Rich is? Like, I wanted to be that kid. I wanted to have all that kind of money, or I wanted to be Bruce Wayne, a.k.a. Batman. But don't tell anybody that, okay? Nobody's supposed to know. And I wanted to be them. I wanted to have access to the technology. I wanted to have access to the science. Uh, the modern-day rich kid is like Jimmy Neutron, if you know who Jimmy Neutron is. He's, he has access to all this cool stuff, this cool tech. I was like, man, I would love to be rich. But I don't know. How many of you guys know somebody who is rich, that you look at the way they live their lives and you look at the way they spend their money and how they are at being rich and you think you could do a better job if you had their money. I'd do a better job of being rich. Now, all right, let me ask this question. How many of you in this room today are filthy stinking rich? Just go ahead and put your hand up. Service host, just make sure you pay attention to those guys and uh, when we take up the offering, just hang out a little longer with those guys, okay? I'm just kidding, just kidding. But most of us, we want to be rich. We want to to have the money and be rich, but if we actually were rich, we would kind of be embarrassed or ashamed to say that we are rich, right? We, we don't like to admit that we're rich. I, I'm not sure what it is, but, but we, we just kind of push back on that. It's like, ah, oh, no, I'm not rich. Like some of you have friends who are rich, and you say, hey, what's it like being rich? And they're like, we're not rich. Does anybody have, anybody have a friend in your life? Don't point at them if they're in here, but just, you know, if you have a friend that's rich, you look at them and you talk to them about being rich, and they just, oh, we're not rich. I mean, look at, look at so-and-so. They're rich, you know? Look at these other people, right? They're rich. We're, we're, we're not rich. People push back on it because they, they just don't like it. They see other people that are richer. The problem with identifying who's rich and who's not is that the rich line, like the, the, the line that identifies who's rich and who's not, constantly moves. It's all over the place. It, it, there, it's not fixed, because honestly, let, let me ask you, have you ever gotten a paycheck and you look at your bank account and go, ha, I finally made it. I'm rich. Has anybody ever done that? No. We don't ever look at, at even if we were to finally obtain what we think is rich, if we get to the level that we think is rich, we hang out there for a week or two and we see somebody else that's richer and we're like, oh man, I'm, I'm not actually rich. There, there's somebody else that is richer than me because the rich line constantly moves. And so what, what we're going to do for the next few weeks is we're going to talk about what it looks like to be rich. And my hope is for you that you'll realize that you have crossed that rich line even right now. And that you'll arrive in a place where you can say that I am rich and that God has blessed me with more than I need so I will be rich in what matters most. And that means being rich in a way that honors God. 
Now, as we look at our Bible, which is a good place to start since you're in church on Sunday morning, we're going to look at our Bible and figure out how is it that we are to be rich. What do we need to do? And Paul is instructing Timothy in the book of 1 Timothy. He's talking to him about how to be rich. And he says, look, when, you're, when you meet rich, rich people or when you're talking to the rich people that are following Jesus, this is how you need to instruct them. And so he says uh, in, verse, or in chapter 6, uh, verse 17, he says, command those who are rich. Now, understand that word command doesn't mean suggest. It, it doesn't mean, hey, this is a good idea. It doesn't mean, hey, you should try this out. He says command. That means tell them. Command those who are rich in this present world. When and where? Now. This world now. Those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant or prideful. Don't be arrogant or prideful, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. I don't, I don't know if you've ever had an amount of money or maybe you've had a financial plan or maybe you have one now. If you've ever had one that has just absolutely fallen apart on you? My dad worked for a company for 29 and a half years and was ready to retire in the next six months. And at 29 and a half years, this was his plan to set himself up for the rest of his life, for the rest of his retirement, 29 and a half years at a company. That company went bankrupt and went belly up. He put his hope and wealth and riches. This was his plan. Now, my, my dad was a Christ follower, and so his hope was in God, but this was his plan. His wealth was uncertain, and when they went belly up, so went his retirement. 29 and a half years of commitment, of being faithful, gone in an instant, in a moment. And so he says, don't put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put your hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our, for our guilt, for our shame. No, for our enjoyment. God gives us these things for our enjoyment. And so as he's looking at this verse, as Paul, the very first thing Paul says to Timothy, he says, look, tell him, don't be arrogant. Don't be proud. Don't be full of pride because it's really easy for you as a rich person to be full of pride because when you look at your life and you look at the things you've accomplished, when you look at all the stuff you have, it would be easy to say, I did this. Look what I have. Look what I can do. Look where I can go. I've got all this stuff. Look at me. It would be really, really easy to do that. And yes, I'm sure you've worked hard. And yes, I'm sure you planned well. And yes, I'm sure you've been faithful to that plan in order to have all of the wealth that you have and to have all the stuff that you have. I'm not negating any of that. But here's the deal. You need to realize that everything that you have in this life, everything, has been given to you as a gift from God. Everything is a gift from him. And everything that you have, if you don't turn that thing back into praise to him, saying, thank you for giving this to me, has the potential to turn into pride in your life. In other words, that thing that you won't acknowledge, that gift that you've been given, no matter what it is, whether it's the breath in your body or the money in your pocket or the food on your table, if you don't turn that back to praise saying, thank you, God, for providing this to me, has potential to turn into pride in your life. And let me tell you something about pride. Look at it all through the Bible and you'll find that God says, I resist the proud. 
Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want God resisting me. That's a force that I don't want to reckon with. Hello? So he says, tell them, don't be arrogant, don't be prideful. He says, warn them not to put their hope in their wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. He continues in verse 18, he says, command them, there's that word again, tell them, command them to do good, to be rich in what? To be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. Not for today. Not for today. Everything a rich man has is not for today. Be generous in good deeds. Be, ge- be generous. Be willing to share. And be rich in good deeds. These are the things that lay up treasure for you in heaven in the time to come. And it says, and when you do that, a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Now we spent the last few weeks talking about this real life, right? What does this real life mean? Jesus says it's, it is life that is full and fulfilled. For you rich folks, the way that you honor God with your money, the way that you honor God with your wealth is to be generous in good deeds, to be generous in your giving, and to be willing to share freely of what God has given you, what gift God has given you. This is how you have full life. So he says, help the rich people to be good at being rich by learning to make a difference with what they have, by being good at being rich at what matters most. So what is rich? Where is the rich line? I think we need to establish this. uh, Gallup did a poll few years ago, and he asked people, he said, how much money would you need to make, how much money would you need to earn in order to feel rich? And so there was different categories of people. At the $30,000 level, the 30, people making $30,000, the average amount that they said they need to make to feel rich was $74,000. Now, some of you in this room, you make $74,000, and you say, Aaron, I got news for you, I don't feel rich at that level. And then they asked people to make $50,000. How much do you need to earn a year to feel rich? And the people that earned $50,000 said the average that they need to make to feel rich would be $100,000. And some of you are like, six, six figures? Oh, man, look at me now. There'd be no stopping me if I made six figures. But there are people in this room that make six figures. Whether it's a combined income or your sole income, you make six figures, over $100,000. And you say, Aaron, I don't feel rich because I've got kids, and kids are expensive. Can I get an Amen. Kids is expensive, man. Not only just like bringing them into this world, but maintaining them once they get here. There's sports and activities and there's diapers and they like to eat. There's toys and there's, there's, there's Disney World. Good Lord, you've got to take out a second mortgage to go to Disney World. There's all these things that you want to get involved in. There's braces. There's college planning. There's weddings. Aaron, $100,000 just doesn't feel like a whole lot of money to me. The top income earners at $200,000 a year said that in order for themselves to feel rich, what they would need to have is $5 million in assets. When you hear a number like that, you're like, duh, I would feel rich. Even talking to the poor rich guy that's got only $2 million, Right? He's like, I, I'm not rich because there's other people that have more money than me. 
Because being rich is a moving target. It doesn't, it, it never sits in a particular place. I remember when I was making $24,000 a year. Hello? It's like $12 an hour, right? And I thought I was hot stuff. I was like, ladies, I make $24,000 a year. Here's my number. Got a nice car. I got my own apartment. I was living the dream, man. And then I had kids. And then I got married. And then I went from making $24,000 to making $40,000. And I was like, babe, we're making forty grand now. Can you... What are we going to do with this extra $16,000? We can go to Chipotle every night for dinner. <laughs> I was so excited to be making forty grand. You know, maybe, maybe you're here and you're making more money than you've ever made before. And you looked at where that is and you said, man, if I could get there, I, well, that would be it. I'd be rich. And then you get there. And, and you just don't feel rich anymore. You look at other people that have more stuff. You want more stuff, and you're at the limit. You spend all your money. Like, I want that. That means I need to make more money. And so the pursuit goes. This endless cycle. The rich line keeps moving. And so what I think we need to do is kind of determine where that rich line is, right? We need to set the rich line so that we understand, because if we never feel like we're rich, then we're never going to stop trying to get rich. We're going to keep on doing it. And then we're going to keep on doing that and hope to one day pass the rich line but that line's going to keep moving on us. And when it keeps moving on us, we'll never realize that we actually are rich. And therefore, we'll never be good at being rich at what matters most. And this is what God wants for us. This is his plan for us. So look at, let's look at God's word to see how we become good at being rich. And as we do this, I want you to know there's some good news and bad news about being rich. Are you, uh, you ready for them? What do you want first, the good news or the bad news? The bad news? I'm going to give you good news because that's the way it is in my notes. I did not see that coming. I figured people want the good news first. Let's go with the good news. The good news is, and this has the potential to change your life if you believe it. The good news is you're rich. That's the good news. Every single one of you in here are rich. You say, how are we rich? Well, let me tell you. You have rich people opportunities. If you don't believe me, let's just start with your kids. Your kids have access to these beautiful things called books that the majority of the world does not have access to. You have a library system where they can go and read these things for free. You have access to getting their teeth straightened and operations that will help their bodies. You have access to zoos. You have access to activities and sports, music lessons. The rest of the world does not have access to these things. You have rich people opportunities. Some of you, your money helps you save time, and so you spend it that way. Like you would purchase a $3 or $5 car wash that would save you 30 minutes of working on your car. Others of you have money that you would spend and invest in your marriage by hiring a babysitter so you can go out with your spouse. Others of you have enough surplus in your bank account that, oh my gosh, you couldn't believe what you can do with this. You could buy somebody that's hungry a meal. You're rich. You and I are rich. And when you realize that you're rich, 
when you realize that God has blessed you this way and understand that wealth and riches is his gift to you, what well, changes your heart and it changes what you're capable of. That's why I need you to believe this. I need you to understand that you are rich. Look, this is what Solomon says, and Solomon is the wisest man ever. He was also very, very wealthy. This is what he says about riches. Because, see, I think we kind of push back on being rich. We don't want that identity. We, we don't want that. But Solomon says this in Ecclesiastes 5. He says, moreover, when God gives someone wealth and possessions and the ability to enjoy them, this is a gift from God. So wealth, or being rich, is a gift from God. Every single one of us in this room that have rich people opportunities just laid out for us, these are a gift from God. And we are rich as a result of them. Every one of us has been blessed. So let that just soak into your heart for a minute. Let that get down from your brain, through your ears to your brain, down to your heart. Because when it gets into your heart, it will ultimately affect your hands, right? It will affect and change the way that you live your life. I get it. I get the pushback. I get the pushback about you not being wealthy. Say, I'm not rich. But you know that if you make $33,000 a year, that you are in the top 1% of wage earners in this world. That means there is 99% of the world that is beneath you if you make $33,000 or more. You're rich. You're rich if you make $33,000. If you, if you make $80,000 a year, you are in the top 0.1% of that 1%. That means you're, you're the cream of the crop. You're at the very top if you make $80,000 more or more a year. Now, I realize that there are people in here that are hurting in some ways, and I want to be sensitive to that. I realize that maybe medical bills have cropped up that you didn't have planned. I realize that unemployment happens. I realize that marriages crumble. I realize that some of you are single parents, and you're investing every dollar that you have into that, and so you don't feel rich but for those of you who are not in those kind of circumstances, I would say that you're probably doing okay. Because here's what I know. The majority of you here got here today in a car. And you're going to leave here today in a car. And you're going to go home. And you're going to take the pepperoni pizza that you're about to eat. And you're going to take a picture of it. Oh, by the way, that pepperoni pizza was delivered to your door. And you're going to take a picture of it with your mobile device that has unlimited data on it, and you're going to upload it to your Instagram. And by the way, you're not even tapping into your unlimited data because you're at home and you have internet and you're on your own personal Wi-Fi. I would say that for the majority of us, this is your reality and that we're all doing okay. We're, we're, we're doing just fine. And we are rich. People from developing countries, they look at us and they describe us as rich. And do you know how they describe a rich person? As someone with a car. As someone with a car. They say, I can't believe it. Those people, they've got cars. And some of those people, they have two cars. And you wouldn't believe it. These two cars that they have, how they care for them and take care of them. These cars have their own houses. And they call them garages. 
And some people have three car garages. They've got two little houses for each of their two cars and then another little house for all of their stuff. And they get into their cars and they drive past 15 buildings until they get to the 16th one. And these buildings are called restaurants where food is made for them. But they go to the 16th one because they've got their favorite restaurant there and they've got the the dipping stuff that they like so much. And when they finally get into this restaurant, they order a meal that is amazing. They get three meals in one. They have this thing called appetizers. That's their first meal. The second meal is their entree. And the third, oh my goodness, it's dessert. This is how they describe us. We are the fat rich. When I was in El Salvador, they thought I was wealthy because of this. They come up and tap me and want to hang out with me. <laughs> Serious. Gordo. That, that means fat. It's okay for them to pat their belly. It's a sign of, of like admiration. They think you're rich if you're fat there. You must be. How else did you get fat? It certainly isn't eating all the bread that they're eating. The, the pupusas and the, the little that they get to eat. They say when they go to these restaurants before they go, they have to get dressed. So they go to their bedrooms and they walk into their closets that are sometimes bigger than our very houses. And sometimes there's a his and there's a hers closet. And they walk into these closets and they're two stories. They have clothes on both stories. And as they're preparing to go out for the evening to their favorite restaurant with their favorite dipping sauce, Their hands touch all of their clothes and they come to the conclusion, I have nothing to wear. This is us. We are rich. We are rich. And the problem is, is no one upon hearing or identifying that once you get a global picture, once your perspective changes a little bit, once you realize that I'm not comparing myself to another American, when you zoom out, see the big picture, none of us feels better about being rich. None of us, the moment you just agreed with me that, well, I guess you're right, Aaron, I am rich comparatively. None of you felt better about that. Didn't comfort you in any way. You still don't feel rich. Feel rich. Why? Because you consume everything that God gives you. You consume it yourself. Most of us are living at or beyond our current income levels. And when our income level raises, we raise our standard of living and say, well, now that I've got more money, I can have this, this, and this. We consume it upon ourselves. This is why you don't feel rich. Because you have nothing to show for it. You consume it all. You get more, you consume more. And God says to command the rich people to be good at being rich. We have to be good at this, not just to think it's all for us, because God wants us to be good at being rich, but we don't even know how to internalize that. We don't even understand it. But if we're going to be good at being rich, there's a step we have to take. Are you ready for it? We just have to simply admit that we're rich. That's the first step towards being good at being rich. So you guys ready? We're going to do this on the count of three. I want you to all to say, I'm rich. Say it out loud with me. One, two, three. Oh, some of y'all need to elbow somebody and tell them to wake up. And then on the three, we're going to do this again. I'm rich. One, two, three. That's better. 
the first step in getting help with your problem is admitting you have a problem. I'm rich. You can begin to be good at it from here on out. And yet saying that you're rich makes you a skosh uncomfortable. You're like, Aaron, I don't like this. Why? Well, because admitting that you're rich brings this guilt or this shame with it. And I don't quite understand it, but I do know this. My kids have asked me, Dad, are we rich? And understanding my context, understanding that this is a global picture, the answer that I have to tell them is, well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're rich. And they go, I knew it. And they go running off. And it's like, whoa, 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 don't go tell anybody. Like, don't go telling everybody at church that we're rich. I don't want them to think that, you know, like, like, like we actually are rich, you know. But, but given the worldview, we certainly are. Why do we act that way? Do we do that with any other gift that God gives us? I mean, seriously. If being wealthy, if being, having riches is a gift from God, like Solomon says it is, why are we apologizing for it? Why do we feel shame that comes along with it? Do you do this in your marriage? Yuri, I just, I admire your marriage so much. And Yuri goes, oh, no, no, we actually don't have a very good marriage. I don't even really like Christina. We don't spend any time together. That's why you think it's so good. No, and we don't do that, do we? But we do when somebody compliments something that we have. Dude, I love that sweater. That's really nice. Oh, thanks. This little thing, I got it on sale over at, uh, you know, we have to like put it down. We can't just say thank you, right? We have to stop being embarrassed by what God has given us. We have to stop being ashamed of it. Stop hiding. There's no reason to hide it. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and tell everybody in the world that you're rich and be braggadocious about it. I mean, just to be thankful for it and identify, hey, I am rich. Understand, I am rich. You are. It's a gift that God has given you. So let's do this. Let's get on the same page together. Let's say that I'm rich, but let, but let, me, let me go a step further. And I'm going to put this up on the screen, and we're going to say this together. Go ahead. It says, God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. All right, let's try it all together this time. God has blessed me with more than I need. I'm rich. We're rich. God has given you more than you need. He's blessed you with opportunities as well to learn how to be good at being rich and to make a difference with that gift. Now, are you guys ready for the bad news about being rich? Here's the bad news. If you're taking notes, the bad news is you're rich. The good news is, is that you're rich. The bad news is, you're rich. Why, why is that bad news? Because the greatest, one of the greatest challenges you will have to overcome as a Christ follower is, to, is being rich. Jesus met a young man. He was identified in the scriptures as the rich young ruler. This is who he was. And he comes to Jesus and he says, I want to follow you. How do, I, how do I have eternal life? And Jesus looked at the young man and he said, obey the commandments. You're a Jew. You understand this. Why are you asking me? And the young man said, I've done all these things since I was a kid. Check. What else do I have to do? And the Bible says that Jesus said the following. And before I tell you what he said, you need to understand that that before Jesus says it, the Bible says Jesus looked at him and he loved him. Because what Jesus says to the young man, he, had, he doesn't say anywhere else in the Bible. What he's about to say to him, 
He doesn't actually have a problem with. God doesn't have a problem with wealth. It says that he gives it to us as a gift for us to enjoy, for us to be good with it. But what he wants, he doesn't mind if you have stuff. He does mind when that stuff has you. It's kind of like walking a dog. That's fine. But anybody ever seen a dog walk a human before? That's just sad. A dog walking a human would drag them behind you. You get all kinds of beat up because that dog is bigger than you and stronger than you and it's walking you. Hello? And God doesn't want your stuff to have you. And so Jesus says this to this rich young ruler who wants to have eternal life and follow him. He says to him, okay. And again, he doesn't say this anywhere else. He says, go sell all your stuff and give to the poor. Come follow me. And that rich young ruler hung his head. See, Jesus knew that his stuff had his heart. Since he loved him, that's why he told him. Why? Because Jesus has to have all of our hearts or none at all. He's either Lord of all, that means he's the boss, over every part of your life, your relationships, your finances, your sexuality, your thought life, your parenting, your marriage, every aspect of your life. He must be Lord of all or he will not be Lord at all. And so looking at this young man and loving him, he put his finger on the one thing that had his heart. He said, go sell it all. And the Bible says the young man hung his head and walked away. And in response to that, Jesus says the following. In Luke 18, 24, he says, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Now, when you see this phrase, kingdom of God, here's what you need to understand. Some of you are like, I don't even know what the kingdom of God is, let alone where it is. Like, how do I even enter the kingdom of God? Like, are there trumpets? You know, that blow when I walk in the door? Is there a drawbridge? Like, this is what I imagine God's kingdom looks like. At least that's what I hope it looks like, as epic as it is in my mind, you know? There's a dragon in the moat and stuff, you know what I'm saying? What, how do you even enter into the kingdom of God? What does that mean? See, when you, when you dwell in the kingdom of God, it means you're doing things God's way. When he's the king, you do things his way. So you could very easily read this, how hard it is for the rich to enter into God's way of doing things. So you'd understand this verse a little better. How hard it is for those who are rich to enter into God's way of doing things. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter into God's way of doing things. Or the kingdom of God. The good news is you're rich. The bad news is you're rich. Because you and I are at a tremendous spiritual disadvantage. Because there are three problems with being rich. The first problem is it's harder for you to depend on God. So God wants us to place our hope in him. To depend on and rely in him. You go to third world countries, go to El Salvador with us, go to Honduras with us next year. We're going to announce that mission trip here in a couple weeks. Go to Honduras with us next year. Meet some people who are happy to have steel, like little pieces of metal and dirt floors and who have nothing except God to depend on for their daily food and the things that they need. Not that they want, just daily things. 
Meet people who rely on God in this way and you will meet the happiest people in the world. They are full and fulfilled. It's amazing to be there and have like a little, a little fruit bar, something we would eat all the time here, and give one to them and watch as they do this. They take it and they're so thankful to have it that they turn and give to everyone around them and they'll only have a bite. These are happy people. These are people to be envied, people who are relying on God. But you and I, Jesus said to pray this way. He said to ask God for our daily bread. But we'll never do that. We'll never ask him for our daily bread. You know why? Because our pantry is full of bread. We have plenty of it. It's harder for us to depend on God. The second problem with being rich is that it distracts you from true priorities. See, we all would identify, just, just, this is just one thing, that as Christ followers, that gathering together to worship together and fellowshipping together is important. We would say that that's a true priority in our lives, and yet rich people have other priorities. They have home, vacation homes to go to. They have other opportunities, other activities. You know, I, I, this is the craziest thing. You know, banks used to be open Monday through Friday, and then they started opening Saturday morning for a few hours. Now they're open all day Saturday, and some of them are even open on Sundays. Kids' activities, sports activities used to just be during the week, and then some were on Saturdays. Now they start them Sunday mornings. And so people will come to church and give their lives to Christ, lose their priority to fellowship and to be here and to worship together because all my kids got an activity to do. These are rich people problems. We got rich Rich priority, other priorities that we, we're going to pursue. Now, there's nothing wrong with vacation homes. I would love to have a vacation home. There's nothing wrong with having a boat. I would love to have a boat. But with those things come other priorities. Use the boat on Saturday, so you got to wipe the boat down and put it in storage. That means on Sunday, I'm not going to church. A true priority goes right out the window. So we struggle. We pursue these things, and we wind up empty and discontent. Some of us barely have dinner together anymore because we are so busy. We have rich people opportunities running here and there all around the square saying, catch me if you can. That's right. I love Christmas music. I'm not ashamed of it. It's Frosty the Snowman. Sorry. You prioritize things that are not true priorities in your life and you feel empty as a result. The third problem with being rich is that you have a greater responsibility you have a greater responsibility. Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required. And you and I have been given much. So much is required of us. We have a responsibility to handle and manage our riches and our wealth well. I'm not just speaking to you. I'm speaking to myself as well. This is all of us. All of us in this room are rich. And much is required from us as a result. The bad news it's, this is bad news because most of us are using all of our wealth on ourselves. We consume every bit of it. We don't manage it very well. We continue to eat it all like it's just for us. But God says to be rich in good deeds, to be generous, to be willing to share with everybody. Then, and only then, will we have treasure in heaven and then have real life, that full and fulfilled life 
that Jesus talks about here on earth. It's bad news. Because more is expected of us because we have more, because we've been given more. You know, I remember for years I've watched my mom and dad. My mom and dad are not people that would identify themselves as wealthy or rich. They're just not. They're humble people. They're loving and giving people. If you know my mom and dad, you know this is true about them, and I embarrassed them first service. They're just, they're just really generous. They're good at being rich. They realize they've had a responsibility, and I've had an incredible example all my life. I've watched as they've been generous in their giving, not only at church, but individually. I've watched as they've sacrificed over and over again of their time, their treasure, their talents for other people. I've watched as they've provided groceries to people who were hurting. I've watched as they opened their homes, gave up their bedrooms and their beds so that people that didn't have a place to stay could come. I've watched as they opened their doors to foster kids or children that are hurting and have no home because their families can't care for them at the moment. I've watched as my mom and dad took, the, took that a step further when all three boys left the house. They adopted two girls. I have sisters now. This is what it looks like to be generous. This is what it looks like to be good at being rich. They've been incredible examples for me. See, even that, and it's just, it's flowed down into my life, and I love watching it as it flows into my kids. When we moved into our house, I told Shanda, I said, I don't want a big house. I want one that's about 800 square feet less. No basement, slab. I don't want all that work that goes into that. And she said, but babe, if we get this bigger house, we can be a blessing to people. We, we can use it to bless people. And I said, I can get on board for that. And so we did. That's the only reason I got on board for a bigger house. It's because we'd be able to bless people. And so we've opened our home. We opened it for grow groups. We opened it for <laughs> baby showers or whatever people need. We open our home. I'm not patting ourselves on the back. I'm just saying, this is, this is what it looks like to be generous. We've opened our home and had people stay with us when they had no place to live. A friend of mine recently became stranded, no, no home at all. I said, come live with us. He said, I don't know how long I'm going to be here. We said, we don't care. You can come stay with us. And I had planned to put him on a couch. And my son said, Dad, he can have my room. And he went and slept on the floor in his brother's room for four and a half months, five months. This is what it looks like to be generous. To be good at being rich. Good, rich in good deeds. Generous with what you have. And willing to share. This is who God has called us to be. This is our greatest opportunity in a very dark world. As rich people, to counter the challenge of being rich. There's a few things we can do. We need to depend on God and not our money and things. We need to learn to do that. We need to focus on our true priorities and let our calendars reflect those priorities. And we need to be rich in a way that honors God, rich in good deeds. We need to be a people who will say, I'm blessed. God's given me more than I need. And I want to be good at what matters most. I want to be good in, at being rich in ways that honor God. That's what we need to be, church. Let's pray. 
Father, I just pray today that you would help us to be rich in what matters most. Lord, that you would give us the faith that it will require to take those steps, to step out and to serve someone who is in need, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous with how we give and to be willing to share all that we have. Lord, I pray that you would take us on this journey to discovering the life that you have for us because it is greater than anything that we can imagine. We think our stuff is great. We think our money is great. We think consuming all that we have is great and we have no idea how great it is on the other side of being generous, being rich at what matters most. Lord, help us. As we pray today, would you, is there anyone here that would say, you know, I'm, I'm rich and I want to be rich at what matters most? Would you say that's me? Would you just shoot your hand up and say that's me? I'm rich and I want to be rich at what matters most. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Father, I pray that there would be a shift in our hearts from wanting and craving and desiring more stuff to wanting and craving to honor you with our stuff by being rich in good deeds and generosity. As we continue to pray, there are others of you here that you're like the rich young ruler. Today you stand in front of Jesus. And he is calling to you for this opportunity to say yes to him, to become his follower. To choose life and not death, to choose heaven and not hell. To choose forgiveness, freedom from your past. This is what he offers, and yet you're standing there, and maybe you've stood here before, maybe you've been here week after week, and you're like the rich young ruler. You're holding on to what it is you have, unwilling to let it go. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's drugs or partying or alcohol. You need to be willing to let it go to exchange the life that you currently have for the life that he offers you. Maybe, maybe it's just an experience you have. Maybe the reason you're hesitant to follow Jesus is someone has offended you. Someone has misrepresented God in your life. And you need to forgive that person. Release them from the debt they owe you for the offense they've caused you so that you can receive all that God has for you. Maybe you're here today and you just have lots of questions. But if you're ready to take that step, if you're ready to let go of what you have in exchange for what he has for you, I'm gonna pray a prayer. And if you wanna be counted in on that prayer, I would love to have you join this spiritual family. I would love to count your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. That's big churchy words to say, to mean that when we leave this world, you'll be in heaven with Jesus. I would love that. And so I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you want to be counted in on that prayer, would you just let me know by lifting your hand up and saying, that's me, Aaron. That's me. I want to be counted in on that prayer. Yeah, thank you. If you're watching by Periscope today, I'm going to pray this prayer or listen by podcast. No matter where you're at, I believe that God will meet you right here, right now. Just have faith. Take that step. Pray the prayer. If you're joining me in this prayer, you can say it out loud or you can say it in your heart. Either way, you need to mean it. But pray, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you came to this earth, that you lived a perfect and sinless life, that you died on the cross and rose from the dead three days later, and that you did all of this in an incredible demonstration of love for me.
Jesus, thank you. Now forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Help me to be rich at what matters most. And that is a lo- living my life in a way, in all aspects, living my life in a way that honors you. Show me how to follow you, Jesus. And I'll spend every day doing that. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.